Come on in. You can finish your talk afterwards. Over these last several weeks, we've been looking at what it means to hear from God from several different perspectives. Several times throughout the Scriptures, Jesus talks about having ears to hear, and we've looked at that over these last weeks. Well, today, I want to turn it just a little bit, and I want to talk about another aspect that we've alluded to, but specifically, I want to talk this morning about having eyes to see. Having eyes to see. For those of you who might not have noticed, uh, I'm not getting any younger. And I've noticed that as I age, my eyesight has changed somewhat. Has that happened for you at all, by the way? Um, I found on this last trip, Karen and I took down to Lancaster, we have a GPS that we stick to the windshield, which isn't all that far away. I mean, it's farther than that. I mean, you have to like lean forward to get it, but it's not that far away. And I found that I had to continually lean forward to be able to see the small writing on the turns and the roads that were coming up. So I've made an appointment for an eye appointment across the road with Dan Nowak because I figure I need some help. I need my eyes to see better. Um, But though I am not seeing as well physically as what I used to, I have found and I believe that I am actually seeing some other things more clearly than I ever did in the past. Not physical things, but perhaps spiritual things a little bit better than what I did. As I read through the Scriptures, and particularly the Gospels, I was struck with how Jesus saw things, but more importantly, how He saw things differently than I often do. I find that all too often, I don't see the trees for the forest. Or probably more accurately, I don't see the forest for the trees because I get caught up with the details of things, and I don't always see the bigger picture. Jesus seemed to be able to look at things and to see them, to really see them, but also see through them to what was beneath them. And that was especially true when it came to creation. Jesus would look at something, something that everybody else saw, but He seemed to see something different. Think about some of the teachings that Jesus gave in the Gospels. Just, I mean, take a moment and think about them. Um, On one occasion, he was walking by and he saw some flowers out in a field. Now, we would not necessarily have called them flowers because they weren't in neat rows like ours are. But they were flowers out in a field and Jesus looked at them and in Matthew 6, 28, Jesus said this. I I put it up here for you. Matthew 6, 28. Jesus said, consider. Consider. That's the first word. I don't know why it's coming up quite like that, but either way. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. The word consider, by the way, means to take note carefully, to research it, which means it takes time. You don't just do it in passing. But he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Jesus looked at a part of nature that you and I see on a regular basis, and yet he saw something different. Um, I think about how often I take walks through town or even sometimes out farther from town, and I wonder how often do I not see things the same way that Jesus saw things. On another occasion, he got everybody's attention with this big net full of fish. Now, I don't know how many of you guys like fishing. Uh, I, I grew up never fishing. Uh, I never fished. Well, actually, I did once. The guy who led my dad to the Lord had a son who liked to fish, so they somehow felt like he should somehow take me out fishing. So we went out to Junius Ponds, which was right near our house, and we fished. And as far as I can remember, all I caught that day was mosquito bites and sunburn, and that was it. Uh, it wasn't fun, and I never wanted to ever do it again. But then, Karen and I got married, and we didn't have much money, and Karen's father knew that. So one day, he asked us if we wanted to go on vacation with them, and we thought, great, a free vacation, good. But then we found out that the vacation was going to be a fishing vacation because he loved to fish. So we went to a place called Brimmer's Point up on Lake Ontario, up near Watertown, and there they rented a cabin. The cabin had basically three rooms to it, two bedrooms and a kind of living area, kitchenette kind of thing. And he rented, as I recall, I could be wrong, but I think he rented a 12-foot aluminum boat with a little motor on it, and we would go out fishing. But again, I, I'd never fished before, really, other than that one day with a friend. Well, as we're out fishing, I mean, literally, we are hauling in fish hand over fish. It was just like an unbelievable day. We, we got our limit. I mean, how many of you guys are fishermen? And you say, I would love it to catch my limit every single time. And big ones. I actually have a picture somewhere. I couldn't find it or else I would have posted. I have a picture of him and I kneeling on the ground next to this haul of fishes. And suddenly, I had the bug. I thought, wow, this is great. You can just throw your uh, line out, and you catch fish right and left. Jesus saw this haul of fish, but he saw something different than I saw. He looked at his disciples and said, you think this is cool? I'm going to make you fishers of men. And we saw a couple of weeks ago how when he saw a farmer out sowing seed in the field, he talked about how sowing that seed was like sowing the seed of the Gospel. And then he says to his fisher friends, you know, you guys are really good at reading the signs in the sky to know whether it's safe to go out fishing on the lake, but shouldn't you read the signs of the time as easily? So Jesus looked at things differently. He saw things that we were familiar with, but He saw them differently. Like, how many of you guys have ever lost your wallet? Do you remember the feeling you had? I was, I was visiting an elderly friend up in Rochester, and I knew I had had my wallet at some point. But I went into the room, visited with him in a nursing home, and when I came out, I stopped downstairs, I was going to get a drink, and all of a sudden, I, was, I didn't have my wallet. I thought, oh my word, what happened? So I went back up to the room, traced my steps, couldn't find it. thought, well, maybe I left it in the car. Went back out, searched through the whole car. No wallet! And it has my license, it has our cards in it, uh, it has money in it, it has ID in it. I mean, it was important. You guys know what it feels like. Jesus told the story about somebody who lost their purse. I mean, he called it a lost coin, but it's the same thing. Wallet, purse, you don't, you've lost something that you valued. 
he talked about somebody who uh, had a, a runaway pet. You know, the pet ran away. Our pet ran away a lot when it was growing up until it ran away and it was no more. Or he talked about a rebellious teenage son. And some of you parents might know what that's like. He talked about things that we're familiar with, but he saw underneath it all to something far more important. It wasn't that he was merely gifted at drawing lessons from these things, but like the psalmist, he believed that creation itself bore witness to God. King David said this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, or the earth, shows his handiwork. It's clear that Jesus didn't just look at things. He didn't look at things. He saw things. And he saw through things to the deeper things that they actually conveyed. He had the ability to look beyond to deeper significance. He understood that natural things were intended to testify of God. This is something that I'm asking God to help me at at this stage of my life. I'm in my mid-60s now, and I'm asking God to help me to actually see things like Jesus saw things. To see things more clearly than I do. To not just pass them by because they're ordinary, because they're usual, because I see them daily. I want to see what God sees when He looks at things. Sometimes I don't see things at all because I'm in such a hurry. I'm, I'm a very goal-oriented person. So like when, when Karen and I are going on vacation, unlike maybe some of you, you guys like to take your time and meander around and take back roads. I want to get there. My goal is to arrive. In fact, if the GPS says we should arrive at such and such a time, I want to arrive early to say I beat the GPS. I mean, I have a goal. And so in that goal-driven, that orientation that I have, I wonder how much that I miss. Or sometimes I maybe do see, but I don't pay enough attention to it. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people post things online, on Facebook, that they see the same thing I see, but they seem to see something deeper than I did. And so my prayer, my honest prayer is, God, help me to see things like you see things. Isn't it true that although we all know the old adage, you don't judge a book by its cover, we do it pretty regularly. We do it with people all the time. We don't know what kind of road they had to travel to get to where they are, to be who they are. But we judge them accordingly. Instead of judging their heart, looking deeper into them to their heart, and in fact, instead of seeing how God sees them, we just judge them based upon behavior or attitudes that we don't like or that rub us the wrong way. So here's my main point today. This is my main point. If you're taking notes, this is it. Too often in life, we look at things as if they're a picture instead of a window. They're actually a mirror reflecting what's inside of us instead of a window that God opens for us to see the deeper things of His heart. So we see this status static picture. And it's just there. It's dead. It doesn't do anything for us. Instead of a window that we see the life of God into someone's soul or into God's heart throughout all of creation. In every experience, in every experience, there can be the fingerprint of God. In everything around you, you can see God if you choose to see God. If you look closely enough. Um, in fact, some of the things that we don't even look for because we don't treat them as sacred. In fact, we, we treat them as perhaps not even good. Can you see the handprint of God? 
Uh, most of you know that uh, it's not unusual for me to go down to Bud's Deli and get my coffee, and sometimes I'll sit at the table. And the funny thing is, there's a, this group of old guys that sit there at the table. I say old guys because they're my age. Um, but there's these old guys that sit there drinking their coffee, and they meet there almost every morning. And when I walk in the door, there's guys there that I barely know their name. I've gotten to know them a little bit more, but when I first got there, I barely knew them. But I would walk through the door, and the first thing that happens is they go, Chris, good morning, welcome, how are you? And I just say, I'm good, how are you? I'm good. And I sit down and they say, okay, the pastor's here, beware. <laughs> they did. And I suddenly realized there's something deeper inside of their heart. And I say, yeah, you know who else is here? The same God that I serve on Sunday is here with us today. And they'll smile. And I'll talk to them. And then they'll say to me, you're the truth teller. Help us with this situation. Help us to understand what's real. Look deeper than just these guys who are rough guys who grew up. Probably, honestly, they know every swear word that's out there. But when I sit down at the table, there's something in them that honors. And they're aware of it. So that when somebody else does, even somebody in the store, I've watched guys, if I named some of their names, you would know them. I watched guys sit at the table and say, hey, wait a minute, the pastor's here, you don't talk that way. Look deeper than just the picture that you see of their lives as it stands. Um, one of the things that uh, I have noted in the past, I mentioned this, I think it might even been last week, is that as I was raising my three children, I, I, again, I had a task. My task was to make them good citizens of the United States or whatever country they chose to live in, but also, importantly to me, was I wanted them to be good citizens of the United States and God's kingdom. I wanted them to survive growing up in our house, but I also wanted them to actually come to know God and to love God. But in doing that, so often, I didn't really look at who they were and who God gave me. Much like we just sat and talked about Camille today. Sometimes I would forget that they were gifts from God because I was too busy making them mind, making them obey. And sometimes making them obey had less to do with what was right or wrong, but more what was convenient for me. Would you be quiet? Can't you see I'm trying to lay down? Those kinds of things. Well, now at this stage of life, I not only regret that I didn't see them more clearly as the gifts that they really are. I now look at them as parents and I see you guys are way better at it than I am. I watch you guys post pictures of your children. And the funny thing, I had one of my kids post something on Facebook about their child who recently had had a very difficult day at school with obedience. And when that child came home, they said to their mother, I think maybe the reason why I disobeyed today or didn't obey was because God was sleeping, so he wasn't helping me. I love that outlook. I love saying, wait a minute. You think God was asleep? Does God ever sleep, honey? But I love the fact that they see things with fresh eyes, and that's a gift from God to us. Uh, I want to see God present in all things around me. For those of you that know me at all, you know that I have a real gift when it comes to flowers. It's called a black thumb. Uh, no matter what I plant, it seems to die. So that every year, we uh, would plant flowers and then we would watch them shrivel and die. 
Don't know why. I can grow vegetables, but I can't seem to grow flowers. I don't get it. So we got to a point where we have somebody else plant the flowers now. And then all we have to do is every once in a while water them. Um, probably should water them every day, but it's when I happen to think of it. Uh, so we water the flowers and they grow. But what Karen and I did a couple of years back is we have a couple of windows in the front of our house. And we thought, you know what would be nice? Would be to get a couple of flowering shrubs that stay there forever. Because normally we plant annual flowers, not perennials. And so we would get a couple of shrubs that would stay there and they would flower and it would look beautiful under the windows. So we planted these shrubs. I couldn't even tell you the name. Couldn't even tell you. But we planted them. We went to some place up in Rochester that was known for it. We said, we need something hardy. They gave us these shrubs and we planted them. And the first year, nothing. Nothing. Second year, nothing. Not one flower. And I'm ready to dig those stupid things up and get rid of them thinking I'm not going to have anything there. I'm just going to pave it. Because at least that I can do. Um, I happened to be with George Veach, who was just uh, an amazing kind of farmer guy. Uh, he, he knew about vegetables, but he also knew about flowers. And he said to me, Chris, what I want you to do is this year, as fall ends, just before winter, I want you to trim them back. Cut them back. So I did. But, okay, great. He knows what he's talking about. Next year, not one flower. And I think, this is stupid. I'm going to dig this thing up and get rid of it. But then I remembered a parable Jesus said. He talked about a fig tree that wouldn't grow. And he said, maybe tend around it. Cultivate around it one more time. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. So that winter, just before winter, I actually cut this thing back until it was like short little stubs, like a couple inches out of the ground. That was it. Cut them right back. And I thought, if they don't grow, this thing's gone. The next spring... We had one flower. One. One. But we had a flower. I know for you guys, it's nothing. We had a flower grow. When we uh, were getting ready to pull out of our driveway to go on vacation this year, uh, Karen looked over at the house and said, Chris, look over there. And this is what we saw. This is the bush. I think sometimes... We only see things in the natural, and what we do see can seem like it's dried up and dead. And we don't realize God still has life in it. God can do something with that thing. We think it's too late, and there is no life to be found, but that's not true. So, here are my two main points for today. I wanted to keep it a little bit shorter, knowing we had a couple of things we were doing. But I wanted to specifically give you two points. Number one, I am praying, praying, and asking God to help us to not lose hope in His ability to bring forth new life, even in that which seems dead to you. Maybe for you today, and as I was preparing, I actually thought there's some of you today who have given up hope on some relationship that you have. You feel like this thing is dried up and dead, and there is no hope for it. Maybe it's a loved one who's gotten off the beaten path. Maybe they won't even have anything to do with you. I have a, a, a brother who won't talk to me. And it's easy just to kind of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, that's his problem, forget it. I'm just going to live my life, I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to be happy. But the truth is, he's still my brother. And I want relationship with him. And for some of you, maybe you are in a similar situation where you have a brother or a sister or a parent who has become estranged. And I felt like God says, we can't give up hope. Not while the God of all hope still sits upon the throne. Don't believe just because you see things as dried up and dead, no flowers. Don't believe that it's done. It's not done yet. It's not done until God says it's done. I want to see God every day. 
touching that relationship and believe that He can actually redeem it. He can save it. What appears to be death, to some degree, is actually deceiving us because God's not done with it. And so for some of you, I want to say to you today simply, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope on those things. Maybe for you it's a dream in your life, a vision that you have of what God was going to do. And it just seems like it's, it's not happening around you. Don't give up hope. Keep your eyes on Him. Put your hope in Him because hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if my hope was in that only, then yeah, I can be sick. But if my hope was in Him, He will never disappoint me. And then the second thing is, I want to see the hand of God all around us on a daily basis. I want to look at things differently. I want to look at people differently. I want to see people as a gift from God, not as an annoyance or as a bother because I have things I want to do. I want to see the stuff around me as gifts from God, as ways that He speaks to me so that as I'm out walking, and you know I like to take my walks, as I'm out walking, I want to see the handprint of God and to see what God is saying to me through it all. We need to learn to find time to see God. And God says, by the way, one of the principles of His Word is He is present in all things. He is not all things, but He's present in all things. I want us to believe that we will see God present in all things, and then when life appears to be dead and hopeless, God still has something to say about it. Never give up. Or as Winston Churchill said in his radio broadcast at the end of World War II, as London was being bombed by the Nazis, he said, never surrender. Don't give up. Don't believe the lies of the enemy or the lies of your own flesh. Don't give up. I'm going to ask if you would stand. If you're able. If you're not, that's fine. Close your eyes for just a moment, if you would. My first question is, wouldn't you like to see things and people the way God sees them? Wouldn't that be something wonderful? To see like Jesus saw. To see your spouse the way Jesus sees your spouse. To see your kids that way and your grandkids that way. To see other people that way. But wouldn't you also like to be able to see the way God's created things around you to speak directly to your heart? To see His heart for those things? Wouldn't you like to see situations the way God sees them? You know, all this uproar over this last year and a half. Wouldn't you like to see this situation the way Jesus sees it? And why don't you ask Him for that right now? Just ask Him and say, Jesus, help me to see things the way you do. To have eyes to see and ears to hear. Why don't you ask Him and say, God, help me to see things the way you do. To see people, situations, and stuff the way you do. Say, God, I'm blind sometimes. I'm so busy with my life that I miss stuff and I don't want to miss it. I want to see it. I want to see your creative beauty all around me. 
And then maybe you're here today and you're, you're dealing with a situation that seems hopeless. And you're helpless to change it in yourself. You've tried and it hasn't worked. If that's you, I'm just saying, why don't you cry out to God and say, God, help me to see that you're not done yet. You're continuing to do what you have always done. Redeem, create, and save. That's what you love to do, Father. So that relationship, it's not over yet. It's not done. And Father, I, with my friends, I stand as well. And I say, God, do both in me. Help me to see things the way you do. And help me not to give up. To believe that, even though it might, like that bush, look dried up and stubbly, you still have life in it. Lord, I'm believing that you're going to do that which pleases you in my heart. You're going to complete that work in me that you've begun and you're going to do it in my friends. So help us to see as you see and hear what you say. That's our prayer today. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day as you celebrate this 4th of July.